It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I don't know if a lot of you saw this, you know, Kyle Long even took notice of the way that Justin Fields was taking batting practice. As a matter of fact, Kyle took to Twitter and said, and I quote, I'm going to drop everything I'm doing this instant to say that this kid is more than just an extremely high ceiling quarterback. Long tweeted out. He's a freak of nature. I'm all in on him now. Now? Now, Kyle? Now is when you're all in? No, I'm just kidding. But here's the thing. I really do believe that a lot of the criticisms and the, the joking and everybody going after Justin Fields is very similar to the way, and this is personal to me, is the way that people went after Shohei Otani when he first came up with the Angels. Like A lot of people don't want to remember this, but he struggled in spring training his first year, and everybody wrote him off before the season even started. Then he was amazing. Then he had Tommy John. And then people didn't think he was going to come back from Tommy John. I really do believe, and this has nothing to do with Justin Fields taking batting practice. I really do believe that by October of this coming season, there are going to be a lot of people out there tweeting a lot of old takes. And uh, the bad news for you is that guys like Ill Will and me, we've been screenshotting them. You're not going to be able to run from them. So just be prepared for that. And be prepared for this excellent show that we have that, you know what, Sammy? Why don't you go ahead and roll that animation and start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Welcome to the Sick Podcast. We have got a great show for you today. If you're a fan of the world of wrestling, you're going to love this show because my guest, I'm going to be so excited to bring him out here in a couple of moments. But just want to let you know that mandatory mini camps are getting started for the Chicago Bears. So keep an eye out. There's some things that we'll be watching. Uh, over the next couple of days, you know, how does this offensive line shake up? I know there were some some shifting around last week. People are freaking out. Tevin Jenkins was with the second team. But you know what? Until these guys get into pads, then there really isn't anything that we need to be panicking about. There's still a long ways to go. There's still a full training camp. So, again, there'll be some things that we keep an eye on. But everybody, let's not get too worked up. But I do want you to get worked up uh, for our first guest here. Now, he's an Eagles fan. He's an alumnus of Penn State. Uh, he got his break in broadcasting, doing the PA during his high school career, which, by the way, uh, he played high school backgammon. 
I don't know how much you know of me. I love backgammon. I can never find anybody to play backgammon of me. I cannot believe that somebody was able to do this in high school. In addition to that, he went on to be a, a world-renowned broadcaster. He was once stalked by Alicia Fox, which I think would have been one of the best storylines to be a part of. Uh, he's a carrot kid, uh, which he can explain later. He doesn't dress well, apparently. I didn't know this because I only see him on TV dressed to the nines, but apparently his mom says he's a casual dresser. I did not know this. Um, he's the co-host of the Pay Dirt, a Penn State podcast. Again, he's an Eagles fan, and you know him from his days in the WWE. But now he is with Impact Wrestling, who on Saturday, I believe it is Saturday, Slammiversary, 20 years of TNA and Impact Wrestling. It's it's amazing uh, how the years fly by. But please welcome to the show, my friend, Tom Hannafin. I got to look into this backgammon thing. You did a real deep dive. Like, either you combed through my Wikipedia or did you call my mom? What? I did. Uh, there's a, uh, there was a, uh, the best way to do this whenever you're, uh, whatever I like to do is like, go look for the interviews. I, I will go to Wikipedia because they have the bookmarks oh, yeah. for, then for find where the this proof. information yeah. comes from. So I go through and there's a, it's an article from a Penn state publication. Cause of oh. course they got a, they got a Jim Ross quote about like, Hey, he's, he, he called you, Jim Ross called you low maintenance, which I'm like, nah, but I don't you. know. But I go, wait a minute. Jim, I don't know if that's I, – I don't know what you're going for here. But he was like – he's like hardworking kid that we attribute to uh, to his time at Penn State, which is like, okay, that makes sense. And then uh, your mom – your mother referred to you as a carrot kid. And I'm like, oh, does he like carrot cake or is he like – I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you know, he's really worried about his eyesight. But no, it means like as long as you have the, the carrot dangled in front of you is I think the metaphor she was going for. Yeah, uh, I'm very persistent, ambitious. If I've got you know a goal in front of me, that that definitely helps. So, mom was right about that. I think that was my my good buddy Steve Samsel from back in the day at Penn Ooh. State who wrote that article. From that, now it's all it's all coming back to me. Um, and thank you, Jr. for calling me low maintenance. Uh, you know, hopefully there, you know, that sticks with him to this day. I don't know. I think I mean, actually I I do think that's good. I think that's because yeah, you're not okay, a, you're not a diva. Now our friend, as far like, as I know, yeah. As far as as far as you know, now we have we have a number of mutual friends, uh, but one of ours, John Quasto, mm. uh, that's that's the he's who's been on the show. Uh, that's the most high. I would call him high maintenance. Oh my god, he is the yeah, most extraordinarily. High yeah, I mean, we just, tease just him. Brutal. He's he's like oh, I'm a stand up, but I'm also doing commentary. I'm doing. <laughs> I'm like just like pick pick one. You know, like be good at one thing and then not be good at six other things as well. It's really. It's one of the most annoying qualities I can imagine. It is disgusting how how good he is at everything, and it is one of the. I I don't rem, I don't I never have played sports with him that I think. I'm trying to remember, have we played pickup or something like that? I know he had an injury, but uh, but I, I again I think he's one of those people. And again, he was on our show uh, before the Super Bowl, uh, talking up his Chiefs, and it's like God, he is just like, and he's good looking, and you're like, I really, I remember when we were in the comedy scene in Orange County, just being like, I don't, I immediately didn't like him. But like, there's, no. so, there's so few of you guys, you know, like what, what's the problem? You know, are you a little, are you afraid of competition? What's the problem? Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Like he's too good looking. He's taller. He's way better looking. Like he's funnier. Like I don't like any of this. He checks every box. I check none of them. I'm oh, the guy. Funny. I'm the one that you call up at the last minute when Johnny cancels. And then when Johnny cancels at Brea, I got to call 20 minutes before the show. Can you get up here? Like, yeah. You want I'm 50 like, oh bucks God. on a hot dog? We can help you out. You know, 50 bucks. I'm not working all week. I, uh, <laughs> that's when I, how are you though? How, how is everything going for you? I, uh, 
I really enjoy the product. I know. Well, I want to talk football, um, but real quick, I love the product at Impact. I think uh, I think it's a great. I love it. And my friend Eric Young is uh, battling for the championship. Love you, why? But uh, I think it's been really fun. How have you been enjoying? I love the. I love your look. Like, look, at, I, I noticed this when you when you signed with Impact. You suddenly became way cooler. Like, no disrespect. Oh, thank you. No, um... but no. But like, look at you. You're <laughs> you're like your your profile pic on Twitter. You're like, whoa. Like, who is this? Like, you're not used to it because you're used to like suit and tie. Yeah. Um, like, okay. And then um, you see, then you see Tom Hannafin. You're like, oh, Tom Hannafin's a badass. Like, right. Like so let me let me unpack a lot of this. So first of all, not to correct you, but to just to do the shameless uh, shill up front. Um, Slammiversary is Sunday. Oh my god! Live on pay per view and Fight TV. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just trying to educate the masses. All good. I can't. I cannot tell. It's literally, but no, Adam. The the great thing about it is, yes, Saturday pay per views are really big in wrestling. But the reason it's happening this Sunday, June nineteenth, in Nashville, Tennessee, is because it is literally to the day the 20 the year anniversary of impact wrestling, the very first broadcast that ever went out. So it's just a beautiful thing that we actually like, Oh my God, it's on a weekend. And yeah, you bump it to a Sunday, but it should be a lot of fun. Um, to your point about, okay. So the, the first picture, I guess that went out of me at impact wrestling. Yeah. So I, I knew in my head, I was like, I'm going all black Johnny cash. Like that yes. was never a doubt in my head. And I, I called Josh Matthews like a week ahead of time. And I was like, do I have to wear a tie? And he was like, no. I was like, great. Fantastic. It was always one of these things that like, I, I obviously have a beard and my hair grows in quickly. Yeah. So I was like, it always like bothered me. And I'd be calling stuff for WWE and I just would sweat. And I'm like, it was yeah. so uncomfortable. And I was like, you know what? Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's get the chest hair out there. Let's show everybody yeah. what's happening. And all of a sudden, I think there's this thing with wrestling fans that when you go from your uh, your ring name, which is yeah. Tom Phillips, is the intellectual property of WWE. People thought for years Phillips was legitimately my last name because it's so simple. And that's yeah. kind of the idea. But all of a sudden, once you get your real name out there, people inherently are like, oh, this is the real person. This is the yeah. real performer, etc." So um, I don't know what Magic Fairy Dust went out there and, and gave you that impression. But hey, that's pretty much what I was going for to be like, hey, I'm. I'm done with that, and this is me. Yeah, and it, it's funny because you know a lot of that stuff. We were just talking about John Quasto. His real name is Johnny LaQuasto. Yes. Uh, if, you, if you see him, like he goes by, like, we used to call him J Lo forever, and then he gets on <laughs> WWE. I'm like, they have to. I go, I I teased him. I'm like, at least they let you keep your last name. A lot of oh, these yeah. guys. Well, I went, get that with, I went through that with him because he had to submit ring names and such. And I was, uh, I guess, his quasi boss at the time. So he yeah. asked, he was like, can I just be Quasto? Because even his social media handles were like Jay Quasto. And I was yeah. like, yeah, if we can clear it with legal. And they did. And I was like, this is easy as, as hell for you, man. Like, you can just yeah. kind of follow along what everybody calls you. And then he was like, do I have to change my social media handles? I was like, no, dude, you're you're already there. So yeah. uh it worked out really nicely for him. So I wish we could have kept him on longer than we did, but you know, yeah. things happen. Yeah. I'm still mad at you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I, I'm I, joking. I know yeah. it's not your, no, no. I know. Listen, it's that business. Um, and I want to talk more about that, but I also want to talk some football because I, I'm in a weird balance here because I'm sure there's a lot of people tuning in because they want to hear you and they want to hear these, these wrestling stories. But then there's also people like, I love football. I don't like wrestling, but we can, we can make a, a simple transition by talking about your time, but well, Penn state, Mm -hmm. And with Penn State comes a a mutual admiration for us for Allen Robinson, mm -hmm. uh, who is joining the Los Angeles Rams this season. He's not playing for either one of our teams. 
I think we're still rooting for him. Uh, how do you feel that Allen Robinson is going to do this season? I think he's going to do great. It's just a question of like, do the Rams have the Super Bowl hangover? Um, Matthew Stafford, you know, was all the motivation leading up to finally winning a Super Bowl? Like, do you kind of take your foot off the gas or is he as motivated and hungry as ever? I love seeing Allen Robinson with Cooper Cup. Like, that just feels like a nightmare for opposing yeah. defenses. And they only seem to be, in my opinion, they found their stride as an offense in the second half of the season. So it makes you concerned for everybody else. It's like, oh, they just kind of started figuring this out. Defensively, they really hit their rhythm late in the season because of some midseason additions. So I think they're going to be nasty again. And Allen Robinson's a guy I've had on my podcast, Pater, to Penn State football show. With what? Point. Yeah, we got him the day after uh, the Monday Night Football loss. Um, oh, my God. Uh, Matt McGloin played with him briefly, reached oh. out to him. God bless Allen Robinson for the day after a game, hopping on our small podcast. So we appreciated it. Well, it was he was it was last season with the Bears. I'm I'm sure he wasn't too concerned with the way things were going. So right. he was like, eh. he's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, I'm out of here. Any, I don't. And believe me, I'm one of the. I'm like, I don't care. Like people, I know there's Bears fans who are still upset with him. Like he, I'm like, they did him dirty. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault him for that. He is. To me, still the same person he was who chose to play yeah. here. He came from Jacksonville and he chose to play with the Chicago Bears. So that to me will always carry a lot of weight. So I will always forever be a fan. I got to try to get him on. Um, I'm always bashful about asking, like, especially when people have things going on, you know, it's like, ah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know, how I felt. I was like, he's in the middle of an NFL season and McGloin, again, like a teammate. So it's like, oh, okay, great. Like he he did great with that stuff. And when it comes to our podcast, um, McGloin does all the reaching out to the yeah. athletes. And I, cause I, God knows I tried up front and they're like, who is this guy? So yeah. <laughs> they're going to respond better to McGloin, but you, you've got a platform. You've got NFL network behind we'll you. It shouldn't be too hard. Well, Robinson does. He knows me cause he follows me on social media and he responds to me. So we had a, we had a right. discussion about Del Taco the other day. So I'm like, okay, we're still cool. So I don't have to worry about that. He knows like he would know that if he watched these guys, I know, follow the product closer than a lot of people let on. I know that when Kyle Long came into the studio one time, he's like, oh, I know who you are. And I'm like, eh, how are you? Um, but he was telling me, he's like, and we noticed, he's like, we noticed that you're never, like me personally, like you never talk ass. You're always positive. Uh, I'm always positive about that and about the angels and stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, because like I always feel like these guys are probably reading it. They don't need to hear this uh, from me. It's, it's, but just it, being, it's like there's an honesty that you need to have, yeah. like how you feel about it. But then you like we all naturally as people in the media that have not been professional athletes, you do kind of have to check that uh, on a regular yeah. basis. And it's something I've been learning now, you know, post WWE and doing my own show. It's just like, yeah, like you can have your assumptions. But at the end of the day, you kind of need to ask the people that actually lived it. And yeah. you can just trying to make educated guesses and asking questions at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, and then it's funny, too, because working with a lot of guys like that, and I'm sure you get that working with Matt, is that it's nice to combine the two. Like, I always find the best things, like, I have these conversations, what are the best guys to work with, or some of the best people to work with at NFL Network? I'm just great ones, D'Angelo, uh, Michael Robinson, David Carr, mm -hmm. Steve Smith Sr., and Willie McGinnis. Willie McGinnis I've been working with a lot lately. He's really good about, like, he hates, he, he does not like numbers people. But he does value my input on stuff, and he mm -hmm. uses it, and we kind of combine. And I think that when you can combine those two things, it always helps out. Because at the end of the day, it's still human beings playing a sport, which is unpredictable. Like right. it's not There's so many emotions and things that go into it, and like 
how often do people actually consider what the athlete is dealing with off the field in their personal life? Like you have no idea what's going on with them. And then uh, something I've talked to with a lot of wrestlers who used to be professional athletes, regardless of the league or sport, is that the vast majority of athletes, it's a job. So yeah. it's like, I'm going to work. I'm, you know, it's, they're making a ton of money. And at the same time, I think all of us as fans would be like, you should be bleeding for the Chicago bears. And so yeah. and I was like, no, I I'm, you know, just trying to get out of here safely without my legs snapped in half so I can feed my family. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. Like I, I, there are, but there's different, like there are people who are like that. Like there are former players that you see who are like the, I'm bleeding for my team. I don't care if I'm able to walk after this. And then there's other guys who like exactly how you described, and I won't call anybody out. And I'm like, I'm like, I was shocked the first time. I'm like, you did. He's like, I was worried about getting that next paycheck and doing this. And I'm like, oh my. He's like, yeah. And if it was, you know, cold out, maybe my hamstring started acting. I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear this. I want everybody to be invested as I am. And I think that's what sometimes, and that's again, that's why it comes down to predictions. Like, I don't know. Like, who has a kid who was up all night? you know, Saturday night oh, before yeah. the game, like things like that. Like, you don't know, like there's a lot of things that, uh, that, uh, that, that happened, by the way, one thing that I do know that happened. And since you're an Eagles fan, I'm gonna put this mm -hmm. on you. I Doug Peterson did his friend, Matt Nagy dirty. When he called oh, that, when he iced Cody, Co Cody Parkey, I even said, I said to it, I was like, there's no, I go, you know what? I go, Peterson is friends with Nagy. There's no way he'll ice Parkey. Then Parky makes the field goal. And you're like, oh wait, he iced him. Like son of a bee. I don't. I don't need to know. I don't even need to watch the rest of the game. I know that he's going to miss the next kick, which he did. Um, number one, did Doug Peterson do him dirty? And number two, where were you? What are your memories of the double doink? And I know the Chicago fans who are pretty much 99% of this audience. Um, you might want to tune away for a second. We got to talk about this because yeah, I, I, think I know. This is, and this is how we heal. It was so beautiful to watch because like the Eagles did not play well in that game. Like Alshon Jeffrey kind of like came on at the end and helped out a little bit. Um, and that was kind of towards the decline of his entire career, but not to get hung up on Alshon. But um, I want to say, so that was a Sunday night game, right? Or was it a Monday night game? I'm trying to remember. I remember no, no, no. that was, uh, I mean, the dub, no, we played, uh, that was the Saturday, I think. I don't Saturday? remember. I right. Yeah. Remember. So I, I remember Monday. I remember being at home to watch the game and I was with my family and just like seeing the double doink, like you didn't believe it at first. And then when it bounces off and you see the mascot in the back, just collapse to the ground, yeah. it was hilarious. And I was like, Oh, like for a second, you just kind of brace yourself. And you're like, what just happened? You know, like you see all the different angles and you're like, Oh my God. And then the kicker slowly just dissolving. And then the best part was that whether it was the next day or Monday, I can't recall. Uh, at the time, obviously, I was working for WWE, so I ran into Seth Rollins in the hallway. Oh. It was a big Chicago Bears oh, fan. Oh, yeah. And he's great about tweeting out after the Bears lose, I hate football, or when they win, I love football. I passed yeah. him the hallway, and I just said, doink. And he was like, shut up, Phillips. <laughs> oh, my God. So I, there is a really healthy amount of uh, trash talking backstage in wrestling, especially when football season's going on. And I'm excited to deal with it in impact. But as you mentioned, uh, EY is a big hockey guy, but like most yeah. of the guys there are into football, especially when I was in WWE, Kofi Kingston, ruthless in support of his Patriots. Um, I remember once upon a time, uh, uh, the late Brody Lee, big fan of the Washington football team. So yeah. he was always behind those guys. And like, 
it would get nasty. Uh, so yeah, that was always fun. I love that. And the double doink was hilarious. So sorry guys. That wasn't that funny. I, is it pretty lot- funny? Yeah. But yes, Peterson did do him dirty, but it worked. So, you know, whatever. I know. I know. Whatever works. You're out there going to win a Super Bowl. Wait, that wasn't, you'd already won the Super Bowl. That was the so year like, after, if I remember. Yeah. Why yeah, did you guys even care? Like that's we, what, that's the thing I was the most, like you guys don't care. Every Philadelphia sports fan in as that 2017 season was going on, was like, there's no way we win the Super Bowl. Like, you know, it's like, okay, like every year it's like, it's so polarizing in the the Philadelphia sports community. Like if they lose, the sky is falling. If they win, it's the greatest team ever. It's just, there's no in between. So as that season's progressing, everybody is still saying like, eh, they suck. They're not actually going to do anything. And then they get into the playoffs and they start rolling and they're like, oh my God. And then even when they got into the Super Bowl, it was like, oh, well, it's against the Patriots. Like, we're, we're probably going to lose. So I didn't believe that we'd won the game until minutes after the game had ended. Because if you remember, there was like a last second pass to Gronk in the back of the end zone. And I yeah. thought for sure there would be a holding penalty because the freaking Patriots always get the penalty, something. Yeah. So we win the Super Bowl. Everybody agrees that, you know what? We got our Super Bowl. We sold our soul to the devil just to get the Super Bowl. And then like week four into the next season, we're all like, well, why aren't we doing that well? Like, I forget what our record was, but we were not like four and oh, and everybody freaked out. So that playoff run that led to the double doink was very much kind of like, we're not supposed to really be here. And then I forget, do we get bounced by the Saints in the next round? The Saints, the Saints beat you in the next round. And the the funny thing too was the fact that the Bears won a somewhat meaningless game that eliminated the Minnesota Vikings that allowed the Eagles to even get into the playoffs. And I remember our friend, the blue meanie, Brian, uh, Brian Heffron, who uh, <laughs> he tweeted out that Polly from Goodfellas, like, Hey, thank you. But now I got to turn your, my back on you. Like type of thing. Like, yeah. He's given Henry the money, but he's like, now nah, I got to turn my back on you. And I'm like, this is going to end up screwing us. But I'm like, we can't, I always felt like if you let, and it's Kirk Cousins, so they should have tried to play them, but it's like, if you let a team into the playoffs, I feel like that's worse karma. I thought that the football gods would rally around the Bears for doing the right thing of knocking the Vikings out of the playoffs. And to me, that's like a playoff win, keeping the Vikings out. That's hilarious because they oh my suck. God. Yeah. That- and then the Eagles weren't playing well. Like the defending champions, like they're mailing it in. They don't care. And then you got, well, then you guys go to New Orleans. And you play that game, and then Nick Foles has an opportunity to win. And you're like, oh, my God, Nick Foles is going to do this again. Mm-hmm. And it just was laying out perfectly because they would have ended up playing the L.A. Rams in the mm-hmm. NFC Championship game, Nick Foles' revenge game against the Rams. Like, oh, my God. Like, I remember thinking, like, the Eagles are going to win this again. Like, how yeah. crazy is it to go up against the Patriots? But uh, unfortunately or fortunately – that's the way it turned out. They fired Doug Peterson a couple of seasons later. How do you feel about that? By the way, does that that stupid. to me? I thought like right, like I thought really that Doug stupid. Peterson was going to be able to be there forever. I think clearly Doug Peterson, we can all see now in retrospect, was a casualty of the Carson Wentz debacle. And there was some attempt to be like, let's make Carson happy. There's obviously issues between the front office and Peterson. There's issues between Wentz and Peterson. So it's like, oh, let's go out. And I, you would imagine the first attempt was to go get Frank Reich. And he was like, I'm not leaving Indianapolis. He had a good Why thing going. So yeah. they're like, why don't we get your understudy from Indianapolis who no one had heard of and had maybe one of the first one of the worst first press conferences I've ever seen in Nick Sirianni. Like brutal. 
everybody in Philly was like, this guy's the head coach after coming off of Andy Reid and freaking Doug Peterson. And I was like, give me a break. So to see the way this Eagles team last year really started to actually catch on under Sirianni and for him to get more comfortable, yeah. I was like, okay, you know, like this is moving in the right direction, but still – I don't think you can reasonably look at the firing of Doug Peterson and say that it was warranted for anything he was doing at the time. I, I think he should still be here. Yeah. And I think that, you know, he had Doug Peterson was so fed up that when he was in that Washington game and they benched the quarterback, been like, nah, we're going to bet what was, I think it was benching Hertz. And there's like, nah, we're just going to, we're going to let, we're going to mail this one in, let Washington yeah. go to the playoffs. We're not even going to try which is hilarious because as much as you hate Washington, you got to hate the Giants too. So you kind of screw the Giants. Like there's a little fun thing going on. Mm -hmm. And um, but I think that Peterson probably did the right thing. Like, fine, you guys want to, they wanted to get rid of them. I'll give you a reason to get rid of me. And then you go about your business. I was, um, I was somewhat hoping the bears would take a run at him, but I'm fine with the, with the hiring of Matt Eberflus. But as you talk about Nick Sirianni, and again, the first couple of weeks were brutal it kind of reinforced what we saw in the press conference where he was talking about Rochambeau or rock, paper, scissors or something insane. We got to compete. And then we're going to teach a simple program or a simple system because simple systems, like it's one of the dumbest rants I've ever heard. And then even middle Crazy. of the season, he was like, we've planted a flower and it takes yeah. a while for that flower to bloom. And I was like, imagine being a multi-millionaire and yeah. a veteran. Of the, like imagine being Fletcher Cox and being like, or we're this talking about flowers. We're talking about flowers. And to his credit, the flower bloomed. Like we made yeah. a playoff game that we had no business making and we got smoked by the Buccaneers. But still, like that that wasn't supposed to happen. The playoffs, though, you made the playoffs and that's important because he made an adjustment and he made an adjustment. And he started running the football more and realizing like our receivers are brutal uh, outside of Devonta Smith, who was battling injuries. So you didn't really get a full season. You didn't really get a full look at him. Yeah. And when I look at that Eagles team, you know, I kind of see a lot of similarities to the position the Bears are in right now. You know, former Eagle or former Colts assistant comes in. Um, but I, I again, I think the Eagles are in pretty good shape. I, I think that, you know, that was a good foundation for last year. How do you feel? They go out there, they make the move for A.J. Brown. Now they got, you know, another weapon for, for Jalen Hurts. How do you feel about the Eagles this season? AJ Brown feels really good so far. Very curious to see what it looks like, you know, actually in camp uh, across from Devontae Smith because they're just such different athletes. And then you add in Dallas Goddard at tight end who is finally being given the role that he's wanted. Zach Ertz gets yeah. traded last season. You're the guy. So now the onus is on Goddard to actually deliver on it. Um, I'm very curious to see how Miles Sanders does in terms of durability this season because when he was in the game, there was often the imbalance of like he's in the game but they're not giving him the ball and then yeah certain games they would give him the ball and it's like oh my gosh like look at the way the running game is working and all yeah you have jordan howard and you have boston scott and jalen hurts is getting involved in the run game but you need to see more of that coming from your primary tailback um honestly i am so done with the jalen rager experiment i don't know how jj ortega whiteside is still a philadelphia eagle other than probably the pride of general manager howie roseman like, these guys are not packing it and, and that's not to say they can't hack it elsewhere, but it's like, this is bad. This is really bad. So after, you know, those first couple of receivers, I believe it was uh, Pascal uh, also uh, talking about the Colts a lot on this Bears podcast. Uh, but yeah. Pascal, I'm excited to see what he could do as a number three or four wide receiver. 
Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that was a great pickup too. I think that it's funny that Howie Roseman was able, like multiple draft picks, getting A.J. Brown, and then you still have guys like J.J., you still have Jalen Rager. Like, God, he missed on some picks, but somehow he's worked that that situation favorably into the Eagles' favor. And again, I'm, I'm using that as a blueprint uh, for what the Bears are going through, you know, mm-hmm. where you make it, you make a coaching change in a young quarterback second season, which for everybody else is a detriment. Although I know that a lot of people were giving up on Jalen Hurts last year. How do you feel about Jalen Hurts? Like, I think he's a good quarterback. I'm happy to see him get this opportunity. I think he's going to be good. As an Eagles fan, how do you feel about him? I like Jalen Hurts. So I think one thing that we've all kind of seen play out in the media is that last season and then into this offseason, there were plenty of rumors about where Deshaun Watson was going to go. Um, Plenty of thoughts about Miami were out there, Carolina even at points, obviously Lance with the Cleveland Browns, but the Philadelphia Eagles were out there as well. Um, My first reaction was absolutely not, obviously because of all the -the off-the-field problems that Sean Watson brings, and we'll see what comes of his mounting legal problems. Um, But on top of that, it was like, you're getting a very similar style of athlete. Can you make the argument that Watson is better in certain categories than Jalen Hurts? Yes, but Watson's had the time to prove that on the field for the Houston Texans. I think given the extended look, Jalen Hurts can prove himself. Is he going to be the top five, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? I I don't know. My gut says no, but I don't see a reason why he can't be top 10, top 15, and maybe Mm -hmm. is already in that top 15 conversation, depending on who you talk to. I think it's about him making better decisions, getting more accurate with the football, and then not putting himself in harm's way. And that and that goes with Nick Sirianni as well in terms of running him and making him a primary running option. That ha- You have to find that happy medium. The Bears dealt with that all last season with Fields is that, oh, he can run, he can be mobile, but you don't want to get him shellacked out in open space. So if he can stay healthy and he can start to make those little progressions, I think Jalen could be the guy. No, 100%. I, I love all of that. And I again, I think that Nick Sirianni did a wonderful job last season of just being like, we're going to go to our strengths right now. And we're going to go out there and we're going to win football games. We're still going to develop our quarterback. Then we're going to take a big swing in his third season, which mm-hmm. is what you do with A.J. Brown, which is exactly what the Bears are planning to do as well. This is why everybody's talking about, this is why you don't trade for DK Metcalf this season or try to make a move. There'll be guys who are available next year. Terry McLaurin could end up being a guy who's available players like that. So I I love the blueprint that the Eagles put out there. And one thing I will also say, I need to say this about Jalen Hurts, is uh, when the the situation happened in D.C. where the Eagles fans fell off the railing. Yeah. Jalen Hurts stood there and helped people up and was concerned. He didn't Stafford them. He didn't point and then walk away and say, I don't want to be a part of this. And listen, I don't think that Stafford's required by law to do anything, but again, neither was Jalen Hurts, and he stood there and made sure these Eagle fans were okay, then he took pictures with them. Like, that's how you do. That's how you do. Jalen strikes me as genuinely a good person. I remember following his career when he was at Alabama and Oklahoma. I loved his demeanor because those press conferences he would do with Alabama where he was under a ton of scrutiny. It was the balance between him and Tua, the back and forth, and then he goes to Oklahoma, and it's like, okay, now it's your chance to be the guy. You know, No questions asked. I loved his demeanor after every game and that he was just calm, 
steady, yeah. doesn't get yeah. rattled. The dude was often in the weight room immediately after a win or a loss, uh, getting yeah. after it. And he just seems like a decent person. Um, I, I watched something on YouTube of like, it's a regular interview series and blanking what it's called, but it's basically like, oh, what do you do with your first million? Uh, oh. They asked these young athletes. And I love the way you broke it down because it sounds like what like a young professional should be doing in any walk of life. And he was like, yeah, I'm running a, you know, a decent apartment in Philadelphia and I'm saving this and I'm putting this aside for that. Splurge a little bit on something fun. But other than that, I'm saving this for my future. And I was like, this is a smart guy. He's a decent human being. So to see him do that, I was like, yeah, this is a good guy who wants to win, wants to represent the organization. And he doesn't get rattled by a lot. What more yeah. could you ask for personality wise? You love it. No, I love everything about him. There's nothing like all the interviews, the way he handled the situation in Alabama, everything. Real person. And again, not to rip on Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford, again, under no obligation to help, but like reacts like a rich guy would, like a rich kid from the Dallas suburbs. Like that's exactly how I would expect you to react. You don't, you're not obligated. You're not an EMT. You're yeah. not going to help. I get it. I understand. You're not like, I don't judge you. Uh, you're not required. But, but again, that's the way that I expect. And I get he was, I get he was probably drunk. Let's, let's like acknowledge that. So he was that probably is. like, I shouldn't be the one helping. However, maybe hang uh, around uh, for okay, let me, 30 seconds and show some concern as opposed to like, uh oh. <laughs> Even if you don't care, you can at least pretend. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I don't know. Um, again, that's my judgment on that. And I'm sorry. Again, not obligated by law. I do not, I just, I just know who, you know, and you just know people like that. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I live in like where I live, like there's the, like there's a, there's a street that separates like the super rich gated community. And then there's the rest of us who just afford condos because it's a good school district. So we're just trying to send our kids there. Um, and I know how they would react and I know how I would react, but anyways, um, I think Jalen and I, would earth, aren't you? I, just, I think Jalen and I would react in probably I similar agree. situations. I also think, that Justin Fields would have reacted just like Jalen Hurts, even though that you know he didn't he didn't take a photo with some some guy from Barstool or whatever. That notwithstanding, um, what do you think about Justin Fields? I know a Penn State guy. You've gotten an opportunity to watch him, and of course, you saw him last season during his rookie year, which I don't think is a fair assessment considering the Matt Nagy situation. But coming into the league, what did you think about Justin Fields, and how do you think that he's going to be this year? So I'll go back to his Ohio State days. I remember the knock on him, especially going into the draft, is that, oh, he's not good on third down or he's not great in pressure situations. And I'm like, I, I got to disagree. I mean, like he can look at all sorts of numbers and such, but I'm like, I saw him in plenty of big games and he seemed to be just fine. I really love the, you know, the arm talent idea. You know, he's explosive uh, as a passer. I think it's just a matter of maybe getting a little bit more accurate as time goes by, but that is something that, you know, it has become pretty commonplace is that some of these younger quarterbacks, very rarely do they come in and they're just laser precision focused. Now, if you're Tyree kill, you apparently think the world of Tua Tagovailoa's accuracy. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, he's got some strides to make. My biggest concern for him, seeing him play for Chicago last season was coming back to what I was saying before is not to get the guy killed is yeah. there's too many instances I turn on a Bears game and I'm like, this guy's going to have David Carr syndrome because he's been hit so much and he really took some big-time hits. Um, I don't know exactly what the numbers were, but like Joe Burrow 
has been sacked like 130 times in two seasons. And I think Justin Fields might be kind of on pace behind him. Yeah. It's, it's rough. That offensive line needs some bolstering. And like I've heard you talk about on this show before, old man Peters, who was old man Eagles Peters at one point. I'm like, I don't understand how this man's still playing organized sports. Yeah. He's held together by duct tape and good wishes. So they, they need some help for him. And then I think they – I know people want to knock the receiving core around him. But I'm like, I don't have a problem with a bunch of receivers that all feel like twos and threes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Darnell Mooney might be the guy that's like, he's your one. And that could be revealed this season. Maybe has a thousand yard season again. But like, I don't know. I feel pretty confident about the guys around him, because if you're a decent quarterback, you'll find those guys and, and feels just needs to get comfortable. Yeah, you know, and if you have a good scheme and you have a, an offensive coordinator who's working for your skill set, which was the problem last year, mm-hmm. you go look at that game against Cleveland. Uh, that was a terrible, terrible game. That was that was that was that was a fireable offense. And <laughs> I I applaud the McCaskies for showing a little bit of respect. Actually, I don't. Like you should have just fired him. <laughs> and then and then people are pulling out the the files of like the Bears being on the five yard line. First and goal from the five, and they're running verts. Like, what are you? I'm like, this guy, like, it's a kid who just doesn't understand how to play Madden. Again, this is this is troubling. This is the same thing that uh, I think Minnesota's going to run into this year. Is like, when you have these guys, like, Kevin O'Connell's coming over to be the offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. He's never called plays because he was a he was a, a Sean McVay guy. Like, mm. it's hard to call plays in the like the head coach is like being. You know, it's it's difficult because you're, you know, you've got to control everything. You know what I'm saying? It's like if uh, if Tony Khan was not only the owner of AEW, but also had to do play by play. Like, there's a lot of things that go on to this. You mean like what Vince used to do? Vince, uh, <laughs> at least, yeah. Isn't that and insane that that was going on for years? <laughs> But at least he grew up in the business. He had yeah. worked for his dad for years. But I think for other people, I think, you know, I, I guess you could argue that Eric Bischoff was doing that for a while, too. And it's like, well, you got True. you got away with it for 88 weeks, 83 weeks. What is the, the number? Well, uh, the 83 weeks. Well, there's the positive of like, you know, not to sidebar entirely into wrestling here, but like we're about to. Of, no, yeah. We're, like, we're gonna, you know, you know where the storylines are going. You know how you're booking things out in advance. So. Yeah, as a play-by-play guy, it's like, oh, my God, I have the gift of foresight. That's fantastic. But to yeah. balance the two just on a day-to-day basis, I don't know how any of those people that we just named pulled any of that off. It's unbelievable. It's so funny. Like, imagine being the play-by-play voice, but you already know that uh, the Eagles have been booked to win in a double doink. <laughs> oh, the double doink. And then you have a Bobby the Brain right. in, sitting there next to you go. What's whose side is Cody Parkey on? You're like, what are you doing? Like, you're jumping ahead, you're spoiling it. I will say this: I think the thing was eventually. Again, if you're a, if you're strictly a football person and you don't like professional wrestling, this this might be. Thank you for stopping by. Yeah. You could write the word "sick" in the in the comments, mm-hmm. and uh, we wish you well. Uh, like, next week, comment, next, subscribe, have a great next, day. Yeah. Next week, we'll have Alyssa Barbieri on, so uh, you might want to tune back in for that one. But now we're going to talk wrestling because it's one of my passions, and uh, I felt like we've given you a good chunk of football. Thanks. Sammy Sammy might not agree, and he might stop the recording at any time. But listen, um, the, the thing that I always drive, like I the Bobby the Brain Heenan thing always seems to be polarizing, and people like, he ruined the shock, but it's like he didn't know, and it feels like he figured it out. 
Um, did you ever know? Like, do you know? Like, did he not know? Did he know? Whatever. I know you weren't there for that, but you were, were you even alive for that? Were you alive in 96? Uh, I was seven years old. You were four. <laughs> I knew it. Seven years old. So, like, I've told this on other platforms, but, like, I, I didn't really become aware or interested in wrestling probably until the late 90s. So, after. You started working for No. I'm just yeah. So, the late 90s, the early 2000s was really when I became aware of, of wrestling. So, like, I missed the entire ECW wave and I was living in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, like, my, my parents were like, at that age, seven years old, to be watching, you know, the height of the attitude era. Like, you could yeah. understand them being like, this isn't. You know, this I don't know is if no you should be watching this. Right, exactly. So I completely understood it. And obviously I became a fan as I got older. And then when I started working for WWE, it was like, oh, this is my life now. Um, no, I never really uh, dug into whether or not he knew in advance. I'm sure he's done plenty of interviews or something like that. But knowing certain things in advance, like it, it just depends. Like you, you want to know certain big things. But yeah. there's little stuff that it's like, this just needs to be organic the way that I call something from segment to segment. Um, yeah. But there's certain big things that I've known about in advance and I've hid from my color commentators so that they reacted organically and then I could just, you know, keep the, the train on the track, so to speak. But it just depends. There's certain things where I like, I actually have to sit there and like, do I want to know about this or do I want to just kind of go for yeah. it? Yeah. You want to be surprised, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Um, Who's the, the AEW's ring announcer now? Justin, is it Justin Roberts? Yes. Yeah, Justin Roberts. I remember being at WrestleMania 30 during the Brock Lesnar match. Mm. And we were sitting, I was sitting close to him. And I remember looking at him and he has the microphone and he, I, either he's the best actor in the world because he was afraid to speak. And he was looking for somebody like, was that the real finish type mm -hmm. of thing? Where it's just like, He's like, did somebody mess up? Like, he doesn't want to announce it. And it was like, I don't know if that, listen, if that was, if that was an act, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's crazy. Um, I, I believe that was probably real. So because if you watch uh, the broadcast, I forget when they actually made the ring announcement that Brock had won, but it was yeah. several minutes after. It's delayed. It was yeah. a really smart decision, whether that came from Vince or from the truck to be like, we're going to wait on this. So his natural reaction is to look to his timekeeper for a cue yeah. of when to say it because everything's happening on television. It has to happen when the truck is ready for it to happen. So he was probably genuinely stunned as a fan of, oh my God, was that real? Did something go wrong? And then when do I talk? Because we all are pretty accustomed to your ring announcers right after the decision, maybe four seconds after at most or something. Um, yeah. So that tells me that was intentional, whether it was spur of the moment or it was planned of like, we're going to wait because those crowd shots and that pall over the arena in New Orleans was way more important than any ring announce. And then especially how he delivered it. He didn't yeah. go real big. It was almost kind of like to, uh, to make a really gruesome comparison. You've been shot multiple times in an action movie or something like that. And it's the yeah. villain who's like breathing his last. And then you pop him one more time to make sure that the monster goes <laughs> down. And yeah. that was the one last thing into the crowd's heart of like, and the winner of the match, Brock Lesnar. Like he's apologizing to us. Like, I'm so sorry. Sorry. I got to do this. And everybody's like, yep. Put us out of our misery. <laughs> I'm as shocked as you are. And it's fun to have those kind of moments that you aren't, ready for because it's just like oh god so like of course the undertaker beats him and you know and every it's just a, such a fait complete going into that because it's wrestlemania and of course it's the undertaker i remember 
I had asked his agent who had sat next to me and he was like, I go, what is this guy going to do? Like, what's his thing? Like, does he want to go to like 25 and oh, like what, where is the thing? And he wouldn't, he just was like, he made a face and I'm like, what is happening? And then I saw uh, Michelle McCool was like dressed up and down walking. I'm like, what is going to happen? I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what is like, I'm like Terry Benedict be here for the show. Yeah. I'm, I'm Terry Benedict figuring out that my casino got robbed. Like, wait a minute. Like what is happening? And then Justin was perfect. And I, of all the things to remember for that, I will never forget Justin Roberts just being like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to get fired for what I don't want to say the wrong thing or anything like that. And it was fun. It's always fun to do that as a fan. I also remember, I'm sorry, cutting you off, but there is, there's always a security guard who makes sure people don't jump the rail. Mm -hmm. And of course the main event is the triple threat and triple H comes down. And this, I'm like yelling at the security guard, like, stop it. Like, what are you doing? Like this, this guy I think is going to jump into the ring. <laughs> and Triple Eight looks at me and just is like, you're a grown man. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. Child, he'd have forgiven the child, but you. Yeah. He's no. like, come on, you no. stupid Mark. <laughs> um, I To go back to the Undertaker Brock thing. I think the thing that's so special on that is uh, Cole's call. The streak is over he waited until that three count is over and that's all he says and then they don't say anything for a good three minutes something like that yeah. there's a beauty in silence there is a beauty in simplicity and I, I'm, I'm proud that I, I learned a lot from cole and i've tried to use that in a lot of my own commentary but like it's hard you you don't know sometimes and especially in a moment like that where i don't know if that commentary team uh individually or as a whole knew about that moment in advance yeah. but still like that's all you're thinking about is like, how do I not mess up right now? Because <laughs> yeah. this moment, you know, it's special. A hundred percent for the for that uh, silver dome to go. I'm kidding. The, <laughs> if you're a wrestler, you'll get it. You'll get it. Don't oh, God, Saints fans. Great. Saints fans already upset at me for picking them to win eight games. The gold rank doesn't even. Know. I'm like, it's a joke. A joke. Some very famous wrestler referred to it as the silver dome, mm -hmm. uh, which was amusing. I. I will say this though, for a lot of the production, like for me, maybe Cole knew because he needs to have that. He needs to be spot on with the, the streak is over type thing. He's got to know feels like, you know, you get production notes and everything you started as an in-ring announcer. I'm always, I have the most anxiety because I do stand up. I do other things. I don't need to always remember stuff. I would be so frightened to be the in-ring announcer, to be like, I can't remember this. Like, I want to mess up Triple H's name. Like, type of thing. Like, am I going to be able to remember this? I don't have a card. There's no prompter. Mm -hmm. Was that frightening for you? Because it's like, there's a lot of information you got to get out. Um, what was that like? It's it's terrifying. And I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I didn't do it on live TV at any point. I always was mm -hmm. doing it uh, at live events, which for people who don't know anything about wrestling, those are non-televised wrestling events for WWE. Yeah. So they travel all over the country and all over the globe doing these events. So I, I cut my teeth with that. I'd say in like 2015, 16, just getting started with it of going to like armories in the state of Florida where like you've got... Mm -hmm. 50 to 500 people max at some of these events and you're really learning how to work a crowd you're learning how to work these intimate environments and make it personal so it's yeah. a really good skill i think for anybody in hosting and then you talk about stand-up like you're it's crowd work it's just reading yeah reading their emotions and it's like oh they're going this way i should kind of go i should maybe make an adjustment here or something so plenty of those yeah. situations have happened um 
but I remember ring announcing uh, for Andrade, uh, who yeah. in WWE was also Andrade and Andrade Cien Almas at one point, whatever. Yeah. When he first signed with WWE, didn't have a ring name, so he was under his conventional, uh, his, re his real name of Manny Andrade. And I was announcing him at uh, some show in Florida against Biff Busick, uh, formerly Oni Lorcan. Also, uh, his real name is Chris Gerard as well, so I love yeah. Biff. And um, I went to do his ring an announcement. I think it was maybe a byproduct of hearing Lillian Garcia for years in oh, WWE. Yeah. Lillian would put a little extra flair on the names that were Hispanic because she her name's Lillian Garcia and she would do that so naturally it was just kind of this weird uh thing that it was like oh well she did it so I'll do it and not really thinking it through so I remember right. announcing his hometown of Gomez Palacio Durango Mexico don't ask yeah. me why I still remember that now and I now. tried to make it sound you know authentic and pronounce it accordingly and oh, no. the timekeeper was like hey you're uh you know you're from Philly right and I'm like yeah he's like so sound like a guy from Philly and I'm like okay <laughs> yeah that's fair so uh there's a lot of things that, yeah, that's I, I, everybody. That's everybody. Because every you don't want to be disrespectful. And if that's, I, I'm such a stickler for pronunciations. Like, yeah, I don't know if you remember when. Um, I don't know how they're pronouncing his name now, but uh, Mustafa Ali. Um, yeah, he was. He's been commonly referred to as Mustafa Ali. He had yeah. a, a heel run in the pandemic era. Uh, we're still in the pandemic era. What am I saying? But like the <laughs> the PC and Thunderdome era, where he was saying. I, this is how you actually pronounce this name. Yeah, it's Muslim. Yeah, yeah. So if I, as the lead play-by-play -play guy, don't acknowledge the heel saying, call me by this name, then no one's going to respect him if baby faces, et cetera, aren't doing it. If they're not doing it, that's fine because they're actually stepping in there and fighting. I have yeah. to be the coward who's like, yep, he said that's how he says his name. I'm saying his name that way. Man, the blowback I got on social media. I was like, I are you kidding me? Like, it's... This is how he wants his name pronounced. If you told me my name was Adam, I'd be like, yeah. great, you're Adam Rank. And that's, you yeah. know, what you said. I'm like, whatever you want, dude. It's silly. It's not, but like you see like news people do that all the time where they, whenever there's a Latin American name, you know, they will try to roll their R's and do the accent. But like you were there when Rusev was there, you didn't all of a sudden take an Eastern block. No. Like with, with, with Shinsuke <laughs> no. Nakamura. You weren't sitting there. You didn't take a, 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 an accent to that one. You'd said it like an East Philly guy or whatever. Yeah. And, and again, it all comes from a place of just trying to be respectful based on how the yeah. talent pronounced their name. So uh, just trying to be careful with all that stuff and just being sensitive. Uh, and I, I just took it personally, you especially with Ali, because a lot of it was just people online being like, well, this is how I think it should be pronounced. And I'm like, I don't care. I, I genuinely don't care. This is how he wants it pronounced. So. 100%. Listen, I can't have ill will back on this show because I still haven't figured out how to say three Kangs. Like, I don't know. And I can't do it. Like, look at me. It's I'm okay that white, you don't. Don't do I'm it. I'm a white guy wearing a, a peach-colored Henley. Like, I need to stay in my lane. You're the three Kings. Okay? That's it. Like, I understand. I understand my role in life. That's what I'm doing. And I get it. It's just one of those things. Uh, it's good to know you're... It's a, a, a thing that I always talk about. Play the, play the tee boxes suitable to your skills. Which is a it's a golf metaphor, but it's mm -hmm. also a life lesson. For me, it's stay in the cart and drink white claws. That's the best place <laughs> for me to be on a golf course. Oh my gosh. White claws? Tom, I don't I didn't need to know that about you. Just gotta stay slim, man. You know, I <laughs> no, listen, <who> am I <laughs> kidding. The the double doink I was able to look past, but the white claws I might not like you can't even listen, Topa Chico makes a nice seltzer. True. Uh they stone brewing. 
Stone Brewing. I've makes been a nice there seltzer. in California a couple times. Uh, the one in San Diego. Yeah, I like them. They have a nice seltzer. We don't get anything for them, but Stone Brewing. If you're listening, uh, send more. I, I think I got off their list. The Sick Although Podcast is brought to you by Stone Brewing. Stone <laughs> Brewing. Uh, listen, we're looking. We needed that alcohol sponsor. So if somebody, hey, I know Stones. Stone got sends one, me free stuff. I've got one for my podcast. They're based in Northeastern Pennsylvania, Funk Brewing. Uh, they've got some stuff in the works that I'm pretty excited about. I love it. Okay, see, that's, listen, get your, get your plugs out there. Let's let's also talk about real quick. Uh, or not real quick. We're going to take our time. Um, but Slammiversary is this Sunday... Sunday. Listen, I know that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, Saturday pay per views. I know that AEW. I sound. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can mention. I feel like the Forbidden Door's been open enough. I, I don't can mention care. AEW. Um, <laughs> they do Saturday, <laughs> but they do Saturday pod uh, Saturday pay per views except for three day weekends, which is fine. Um, you've done Saturday pod. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like most of your pay per views are Saturday. Am I mistaken? Um, for, for impact, they have been for Saturdays and then WWE yeah. pretty consistently is on Sundays. Yeah. They're premium live events, like whatever. Wait, Although is I, wait, is that what they're called now? Did you not know this? Like you No, that, I don't work there. You're that detached. I love it. No, good for you. F premium them. live. That's fun. I listen, the only reason I've walked back to the WWE and I've just kind of gone back in a way because Cody and Brandy are so nice and they're such delightful people. And so I'm like, listen, Cody needs to make money. He's got a daughter now like go get your money like i'm not mad at you like he's, he's still my friend like i'm happy for him i'm gonna support him so i did watch his match against uh seth rollins who uh, i got there's a lot of wwe guys i still like but i don't but for me it's uh i love impact i like aew i like the way that the products have been going and of course selfishly my friend eric jeremy to some people oh can i say his kayfabe can i say his real name i actually I actually had to, (laughs) I switched it back. Like, I don't know. Like, I remember one time I was having dinner with him and his wife and I'm like, I don't know what to call. Like, I don't know. Like, what do I call him? Like, it's always such a weird thing. Like, hey. It just depends on the relationship you develop. Like I was just mentioning Biff before. Like, I know him by three names, but I pretty much just always call him Biff. Um, Yeah. Steve Macklin is somebody I work with in in, uh, Impact Wrestling now. He was Steve Cutler once upon a time. His legal name is Steve Kuprick. I still call him Cuddy off of Cutler to this yeah. day. So it's really weird that when I'm calling his matches, I'm like, oh, Macklin, 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 Macklin. So yeah, it depends on relationships, person to person. It's, uh, yeah, that's that's true. Because I know that we do uh, we do fantasy leagues together, and it's always Jeremy is the thing. And all the guys who are in it call him Jeremy. So I'm like, oh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And then, But then when he used to text me under his real name, or when I had his real name in my phone, I would... F- get confused with another Jeremy mm. and then the other Jeremy I don't like as much so I'd be real friendly and be like oh god that's not even Eric you know like forget so I, then I had to switch it back I switched it back to Eric again because there's no mistaking uh who it's coming from yeah but he's got a he's got a championship match this weekend he's going up against Josh Alexander you have the Briscoes mm-hmm. the Briscoes against uh the Good Brothers mm-hmm. so it's it seems like a fun event how has it been like how has it been working for Impact because I feel like I don't know Knowing you, like, knowing you, like, we're not best friends or anything like that, but it feels like you're having fun. It just feels like I feel happy for you. Every time I see you, you, I just feel happy for you. Has um, it been good? It's, dude, it's been great. Um, cause I, I think when I, I, I was released from WWE, there's absolutely that question of do I even want to be in, in wrestling anymore? And I needed some time yeah. away, uh, for a number of reasons, but I, 
I told Scott Demore after I did Hard to Kill, I was like, you gave me back my passion. This is something that I love doing. And to be able to do it on the schedule that they provide is fantastic. It allows me to do a multitude of other things. And my, my podcast, my opportunities with ESPN Radio, like I, I can do a lot more things and, and it's just freed me up. But just calling the shows with whether it be D'Lo Brown, who is amazing to work with and hard to kill, mm -hmm. and now uh, Matthew Raywalt, and I've worked with a bevy of the talent as guest commentators. It, it's just different. And there's a lot of different ways that you could say, oh, it's different from WWE. But um, I, I've gotten a lot of freedom. Um, having Josh Matthews as my executive producer has made everything an absolute breeze because he and I are looking at everything the exact same way. We both came up in the WWE system. So we identify the things that like got drilled into our head, but also like yeah. we need to do this differently. Let's let's twist this a little bit so that it feels authentic to impact. And I don't know, man, I just. I just feel different. I feel like myself. I, I, I feel like um, Tom Phillips was a bit of a nerd. And um, yeah. Tom Hannafin is just kind of out there enjoying wrestling nice. and trying to do my best. And uh, I think the thing I was really proud of was uh, Rebellion uh, pay-per-view, which we did at the end of April. Josh yeah. Alexander wins the title um, from Moose. And I, I was so proud of that call. I was so proud of the entire production that went into that night. And it's just it's just really special. And I feel really attached to the company, even just in about six months time. So to be a part of this show to celebrate 20 years of this company at Slammiversary, it means the world to me because like, I think back to when Mike Tanay and Don West were the voices of impact wrestling. Yeah. And, and it's no disrespect to, you know, Josh Matthews, Matt Stryker, Jeremy Borash, the list goes on and on, but that was the team. I believe they should go into the impact hall of fame as a duo. Um, mm -hmm. They're, they're the benchmark for me and so be able to sit in that chair 20 years later after that first broadcast that featured both of those guys i, I can't tell you how special that is it's going to be an amazing event and there's been some great wrestling over the years um you know going back when they first started it was a breath of a breath of fresh air am i saying that right yeah it's right. funny and it and it's funny that you mentioned josh matthews too because i had a brief interaction with him uh, when he was released with the WWE and we talked, you know, and he's, he was, you know, looking, he's a sports guy as well. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about opportunities and, you know, just talking with him. I think we, we had the same conversation about like, yeah, you know, like, but the cool thing is, is like, I would never walk away from wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it was, this is the perfect opportunity for both of you. And obviously you've taken the ball and you've run with it. Um, it's really cool to see that too. I, I again, like it's good. You can hear the passion in your voice again, and it's thank you, man. Something that the, it's just something that WWE will drill out of you, and um, but at the same point, like oh yeah, we're also a wrestling fans, so it's good. Which is why I enjoy uh, those broadcasts as well. And I think that this weekend is going to be a lot of fun. The Briscoes, oh, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun too. And I think a lot of people are starting. And it's the, one of the cool things about having the forbidden door and doing a lot of that stuff is like mm -hmm. the, the, the eyes on this has been growing. And I think that all of you outside of the WWE have done a great job of growing the end or just showing, exposing people to like, Oh, this is a fun. There's some fun things that you can watch and you can see a match that's longer than two minutes and still tell a story. I, I think, I think wrestling fans get too hung up on I'm for this company and I'm yeah. for no other company. Man, like I, I hate that. Yeah, there, there's a reason that when MJF was introducing W. Morrissey uh, and or teasing him, rather, he was saying, and you can't teach that. And the entire audience knew what MJF was talking about. Wrestling yeah. fans watch wrestling, period. Yeah, they watch their favorite wrestlers. And I understand that over the years, the concept of 
individual wrestlers being the draw has kind of subsided and it's been more about what's the company name on the billboard is it wwe AEW, impact new japan ring of honor etc but at the end of the day i watch wrestling for the wrestlers that i like the guys that i'm friends with at the end of the day not because of the company that's attached to it so i think people get way too bogged down on that that divisiveness of oh it's got to be especially wwe versus AEW. it's like man like you know that you acknowledge most of these storylines based on the fact that you probably watch some wwe you probably watch some impact new japan etc the list goes on and on i just i just wish we'd all stop pretending (laughs) not all most of us let's be honest 100 stay off the internet i think is the thing stay off twitter like it's just too like (laughs) toxic like you like who you like like as again when there's premium live events i will watch my friends or the people who i enjoy and similar like um, and the same thing. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I will tell you though, the things that are recorded every week, it's always impact and it's always the AEW shows. I don't even record. Oh wait, I shouldn't say this in case ever I need a job from Fox yeah. or something like, no, I love SmackDown though. Cut this, cut by this. the way, love, love, love SmackDown by the way. Um, no, but it's true. But it's like, again, you just love wrestling and, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. I'm glad that you're able to go out there and continue to do wrestling because the wrestling world needs you. And it's cool that you're doing some sports stuff too. You got the ESPN radio, as you mentioned, the podcast. And uh, what can you plug real quick? So if anybody enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you did, again, use the word. If you stuck through the wrestling talk, uh, write sick wrestling. Uh, let us know. Because I can, I, listen, I know other wrestlers who would love to come onto this podcast and talk. So if you are enjoying this, yeah. we'll be happy to bring them on. Um, but Tom, what are some other things? Where, where can we follow you? What can we do uh, in addition to uh, you know watching Slammiversary on Sunday? Slammiversary is Sunday, June 19th, live on pay-per-view and fight TV. Go to impactwrestling.com to see about tickets potentially if you're in the Nashville, Tennessee area for that show, or if you just want to learn more about how you can watch it. Um, you can check out my podcast, Paydirt, a Penn State football show with myself and former Penn State quarterback Matt McGloin. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And we recently got syndicated by ESPN Ooh. Radio State College. So just broadening my relationship with ESPN Radio and all its affiliates. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and what else was I going to say? Oh, we have a t-shirt now at shop.believe.com for the podcast itself. It's got McGloin's name on the back. There will not be a, a Tom Hannafin because like, oh, what would you put on it what would you put on it like a name and a random number like i don't know yeah you tell a me microphone i don't know a microphone <laughs> tom with Just a microphone nice silly face on there it is t-shirt. we'll do but like the cool version the cool version that we see on the twitter avatar oh now. the the, my, the the smirk as my dad likes to refer to it as yeah yeah the johnny cash all black it's a great look um and this was great i uh i re- again I know that you asked me, I forgot to ask you before the show started how much time, because you were like, how much time do you need me? I'm like, uh, 10 minutes. And now it's been, we didn't hour. even talk about Jaquan Brisker as a Penn okay. state fan. I'm thrilled. You guys got your, Hey, Brisker. by the way, why did I miss this part? Hey, guess what? <laughs> guess what? All the football fans who checked out, we're, uh, we're bringing it back here. We're it bringing, is. You know what? Here's, I'm sorry, Sammy, by the way, extend the show. This is the overrun. This is like the, here's- when they, Tony Khan has called TNT and said that we can. I know it's. I know. I know you don't. Believe we me. need to go to ten oh five or eleven oh five. Whatever. We're it going is. late. Yeah. yeah. I gotta tell you, I God, why did I was thinking Allen Robinson because I was going through. Um, One day, Rob, but Jaquan Brisker, dude, you guys got a steal in the second round. I can't believe he slipped out of the first. Him with Eddie Jackson, 
could be one of the best safety tandems, maybe not this season, but in a very short amount of time in the NFL. Brisker can do literally everything. He can play in the box and get physical. He can do man and zone coverages. He can do complicated coverages. I always refer to him as a zombie, but I think you probably as a wrestling fan and as a Bears fan will start identifying him as the undertaker because he would at points get injured and then just pop back up and get injured and pop back up. Now, I'm not trying to say, oh, he's super injury prone, but like the dude literally was playing with a bruise, like an injured shoulder with like the, the apparatus on his shoulder. And he just kept hitting guys and he just kept going. He would go out of for a couple of snaps, come back in. You couldn't keep this guy down. So I think Jaquan Brisker is a really great addition. Um, I forget who it was that former Bears staffer who said some terrible things about him. I'm glad he's gone. Brisker's endured that. And it looks like he's going to do some, some really good things this year. No, I love him. And it's one of those guys who, you know, admittingly, I wasn't as familiar with when they drafted him because I, you know, I tend to skew towards offensive guys because of my fantasy background. I tend to uh, look at that in a lot of the first rounders, but I knew who he was because mm. as I was doing my mock draft with a twist, I was, he was a guy who at the end of the first round, you're like, God, this is a person that one of these good teams could bring in. And then obviously when, once the Bears selected him, I went back and watched him and I'm like, this guy's amazing. He reminds me and a lot of Bears fans of Mike Brown, um, Mm, I think he's a little bit more physical, but he's also a guy who's always in the right place. And it's never an accident. Whenever there's a player like Jaquan Brisker, when he's in the right place at the right time, it's not an accident. It's because he knows how to play football. And I think you probably saw a lot of that at Penn State. Oh, and to the point now at Penn State, granted, they've changed defensive coordinators to former uh, Miami, Florida head coach Manny Diaz is now the D.C. And he believes in a three safety system, but... They need three safeties to make up for Jaquan Brisker's absence. Jair Mm. Brown is still there, and he's going to have a nice NFL career at some point. But Jaquan was able to do so much uh, at safety that now that's like, well, we have a a former safety that we're moving to linebacker and Jonathan Sutherland, and we've got uh, Keaton Ellis and Zaki Wheatley that are going to kind of fill into that coverage void. Like, How often do you see that in college football where a guy leaves and the entire system changes around his position? Yeah, it doesn't happen. So it's good to see. I think a lot of Bears fans are excited. We love that he's wearing, I do, at least I do. I love that he's wearing number nine. I love that Kyler Gordon is wearing six and Brisker's wearing number nine. I'm like, yeah, I go, those are legendary Bears numbers. We got to get Jim McMahon and Brisker. Yeah, you've had Jim on the show. We did, yeah. He was great. Best day of your life. (laughs) I still cry thinking about it. It was a big thing for me. I'm an emotional person, but like just just the childhood memories. Days your kids were born interviewing jim mcmahon somewhere in the middle somewhere you know somewhere in the middle there yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. for sure for sure absolutely uh but it was it was wonderful to have him on the show and the goal thing too is uh and if all the people who checked out this is what we're going to clip off we're going to clip off this chacon uh brisker talk that'll be what we post on social media be like look at us getting down to the nitty gritty that's what they want to hear then they'll tune in and be like you guys are talking about slam anniversary i'll be listen I like it all. I like football. This was this was perfect for me. Talking a little football, talking a little wrestling. Uh, I love the life that you're leading and uh, really appreciate you coming on and spending so much time with us here today. Can't wait to see the show this Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. I implore everybody. But Tom, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Go Bears. Bear down. Love it. All right. There he goes. The great Tom Hannafin again. Ask you to please, if you enjoy wrestling, if you have a little discrept, uh, discretionary income, you're like, I want to watch a wrestling show. Slammiversary, 
I think, and I, and again, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of surprises. So you might want to tune in and check that out. So, uh, and do it for our friend, Tom. So we'll have him back hopefully sometime in the near future, but I want to thank everybody for hanging with us, uh, for a longer extended show. Uh, I was, I was wondering, I was like, Hey, do we need to go 54 minutes? Uh, we did it. We did that and some, so I appreciate everybody doing that. Appreciate you being here. We will be back next week. We're going to have Alyssa Barbieri on the podcast next week. We'll have a take it to the rank on Tuesday, of course, but a lot of cool stuff is happening. Thanks so much for being here. So until next week, bear down. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Adam rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google play and Apple podcasts.